athletes and friends, welcome to the Woven Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Nick, and this is my co-host. What's up, everyone? It's Stevie. And we are here to champion the athlete's mental game before, during, and after their athletic careers and performances. So let's jump in. What's happening, Woven Athlete community? So glad you are with us today. A few really cool things happening. Number one is we are launching a brand new series on this podcast today. The mm -hmm. series is called Pre-Gaming It. Party, we are gonna party. Uh, it's really about championing the mental side of things before the challenges. So I'm really excited to dive into this. There's a lot to learn about how you can pre-game as far as getting your mind right before you face the action. So we're gonna dive into that and I couldn't be more stoked. Stevie, who are we bringing on to launch the series with us? Yeah, so today we interviewed Kyra Condi, which is really exciting. Kyra Condi is an Olympic sport climber. She did, uh, she climbed at the 2020 Olympics where they debuted sport climbing for the very first time mm. at the Olympic games. She's also in the US national sport climbing team. Mm -hmm. So it was a really cool conversation. We talked about a whole bunch of different things from chocolate chip pancakes oh, yeah. and hacky sack Ooh. to um, what it was like at the Olympics for her and how it was training once it hit a year, got delayed a year because of the pandemic. Yeah. And how do you adjust to climb to that? And then she also went in and told us uh, about her journey into becoming a professional sport yeah. climber and some physical um, things she's had to deal with that really challenge her ability to climb, but yet she's been able to persevere. So that was a really cool conversation. And, and for you guys listening, for the global athletic community, this is something special. I think mm -hmm. she has something to offer uh, to the global athletic community that uh, I, I feel like a lot of athletes need to hear her story and be inspired. So that being said, I would love to jump in. Let's do it. If you guys wouldn't mind before, when you guys subscribe, rate, and review, mm -hmm. that is the best way it helps us to get the word out to other people. The more subscriptions there is, the higher up in the rating when people search for a podcast it becomes and more people can just uh, hear what we're doing at Woven Athlete. So if you don't mind. Do us a huge favor. Yeah, let's jump in. Condi, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Oh, man, it's really, uh, we're so stoked to have you. Um, yeah, lots of uh, stuff that we're excited to talk to you about. We want to hear about your story. Um, a lot of things happened in the past couple of years for you um, that we're really <laughs> excited to jump into. Uh, that especially being the fact that I believe like this was a historical for our country, uh, something for history, for history, all in, for history general. in general, <laughs> um, you, uh, represented the U S in the Olympic uh, Olympics this year. Is that correct? I did. Well, I guess last year at this point, but, uh, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I guess it would be oh my it's 2022. Oh my goodness. And it was like 2020 Olympics, but it was 2021. Is that yeah, it's, it's kind of wild. It was a almost three year process. Cause I qualified in 2019 and then obviously the games got, um, delayed into 2021. And yeah. so we were already qualified for over a year and then it, the delay made it two years. And then I, you know, still having some sort of Olympic, uh things going on especially with the winter olympics having just happened so yeah uh, 
Like it's been almost like a three-year process of being Olympic focused. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, and, and being that level of an athlete, you're like, do you train Olympic style training for two years or <laughs> how do you, uh, like, how do you stay in the, that question. fiery, like I'm not overtraining, but I'm also like on the edge. Did you have to manage that quite a bit? Yeah, that was actually really hard too, especially given the format that the Olympics were in. Uh, for those who don't know, climbing has three disciplines. Yes. Bouldering, lead climbing and speed climbing. Mm-hmm. And the Olympic discipline actually combined the three. So you had to do all three in one day. Uh, and most of the time people specialize in it. So um, yeah, the, the training in that case then was super difficult because lead climbing is more endurance based. It's longer routes. Bouldering is more power strength based. And then speed is pure power and strength. Um, yeah. so kind of combining all three of those they don't really have a lot of overlap and so definitely was hard to feel like I was peaking in all three of them at the same time yeah but you know you'd yeah. have to imagine that over that amount of time <laughs> of two years obviously not going full strength like the whole time giving yourself grace like you probably were you able to kind of come into a rhythm in your training that worked for you eventually or would you say like it was kind of like, <laughs> yeah, we, we did have a lot of people who helped us too, which was nice. So I did have a coach and a PT and things like that. So we worked on strength training, which I had never done before. So like weight, oh. actual weightlifting. Um, yes. I even moved to Salt Lake. Actually, I hadn't lived here before, uh, right before the qualifying event in 2019 is when I moved to Salt Lake, basically because of those resources. Uh, and because there's people who were able to help me with that planning, which I had never yeah. done before. I actually hadn't had a coach until um, moving here. Uh, wow. really when cool. I was 23 how old was I then yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> years have just gone by so it's like yeah um, exactly but yeah so balancing all of that was was definitely the hardest part but having people to help with it was really yeah really well and you said that you hadn't had a coach uh kind of leading up to that as far as that goes yeah I think that's actually one of the things that sets me apart a lot in in sport, uh, yeah. having gotten to where I am, I, I think I was on a team when I was a youth climber. So um, yeah. I started climbing when I was 11 till I think I quit the team when I was 15, 14, yeah. 15, uh, and started training on my own. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of because in Minnesota, um, there wasn't a ton of really huge youth programs at the time. Yeah. Um, and I just thought that I could do it better by myself. And so then, yeah, I basically trained by myself or with a training partner, uh, but with no coach. So I'd go to camps if I could. Yeah. Uh, until moving here in 2019. So that was probably from 2012 until 2014 Mm -hmm. or 2012 until 2019 was all basically by myself. Wow. And I, I have a huge respect for that because I, I haven't picked up a coach in my endurance journey and I've gotten to like the podium level as far as like some of the competitions I've done. And uh, there's a huge respect to that. There's a lot of drive uh, behind (laughs) the self self-made professional athlete so it's really it's really cool to hear that side of your story I had no idea I didn't I just assumed like oh she made it to the Olympics she must have an incredible like 15 (laughs) coaches and like psychologist nutritionist therapist (laughs) uh you know this person drives her to the (laughs) yeah Yeah, I think it was actually really hard at first because I had had so many years of of doing it by myself first of all to trust somebody else to help with it um Mm -hmm. and then trust that they're have my best interests in mind you know Um, which and then on top of that, uh, it was just really nice to have somebody, though, take that. So, yeah, some of that motivation because I was so used to um, yeah. providing it for myself. 
because yeah. you know having to constantly provide that motivation for yourself going to the gym and making yourself train you know even if you don't want to instead yeah. of having somebody tell you okay you need to do this right now wow um, yeah. i think is a big part of it i was way more exhausted from that than i realized so just even having somebody there who was like okay like you should go do this now i'll be like okay i guess i should yeah yeah <laughs> yeah because i was gonna ask like obviously there's always cons to everything but you know for people listening that are considering like should i get a coach or should i stay self you know uh the pros you kind of named off a few of them just then but i mean any other pros to having like a coach in your corner yeah i mean tons especially somebody who you get along with and and uh respect josh larson is my coach here and he's amazing cool. um he's the u.s team coach and he oh. split this time basically coaching everybody who's in town and anybody who comes into town uh, mm-hmm. as well as setting in the gym which is putting up the holds on the wall yes um, and making them really competition style so that we're best prepared for competitions mm-hmm. um and so he has like just a wide array of skills and i think is one of the best body movement coaches so like being able to climb comp boulders especially is just i think what he's really really good at uh yeah. and then he's also really good at bouncing off ideas off each other challenging you uh on what you think is right it's like okay well are you sure like is that this even if he's even if it is right like he wants to make sure that you have thought it through which i think is really helpful so even if it's even if you don't need somebody to tell you what to do which is kind of how i feel about my training a lot of times (laughs) um, having somebody to bounce those ideas off of and um challenge it just a little bit helps and i think makes me a better climber yeah that's cool Mm -hmm. you know stevie and i we were we were doing some intel on youtube (laughs) you know, oh, let's, let's watch some videos. But I do have to say in this vein of like making the Olympics and stuff, you, you got me, you got, you got some tears, some emotions <laughs> when, uh, when we saw the video of you finding out that you made the Olympics, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, Oh, come on, man. Dang. <laughs> but that was such a, um, for me, like, I love seeing moments like that in athleticism in sport. Um, and so like, anytime I see that I have so much respect because of the grind Mm -hmm. because of, um, just, you know, not only is it incredibly physically challenging to get there, but what I'd love to know even more about your story of like the physical grind of overcoming things. Like, I think that's what also made it a little bit more emotional for me seeing you get emotional about Mm -hmm. making such a huge a monumental thing in sport like I think if you're an endurance athlete and you want to become a like my goal I want to be world renowned I want to do something big and that's like a dream you know so in that moment like was there that like I my dream like this is it like I don't know what was that like yeah Yeah. was going through your mind there's definitely the I did it moment I think um kind of one of the interesting things was I pictured obviously that moment of what would I, what would I do if I qualified? And I was like, well, I'd definitely cry. Like, that was, <laughs> like my, I know my parents are going to be there. So I'd probably hug my parents. And I was like, I wonder if somebody would get a photo of it. And they did. Oh. Uh, and then, um, and then I had even, you know, daydreaming. Uh, I'm a big daydreamer in general. Uh, yes, me too. Oh, <laughs> sure. thank you. Yeah. Heard. I'm, I'm heard. I'm felt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I even pictured what I would post on Instagram. Exactly. Like the caption, um, with the photo and it almost happened exactly like that you know oh, wow. I had this hour of waiting at the end of the qualifying competition where I was watching other people climb and waiting to see if I had done well enough because I climbed you know about halfway through and I needed to watch another seven climbers which usually is you know about an hour a little less um mm. so 
had to wait and watch everybody climb after me and see if uh see if it was good enough and that was kind of the part where I was waiting 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 just doing math because of how the the calculations worked um and yeah that was that that when I see the video of that too it it usually gets me oh (laughs) my gosh yeah and also uh I watched what was it having now gone through that whole process and you know been to the Olympics and stuff I watched um cool runnings which is the and it got me I like I was like I did not I've not cried during this before (laughs) (laughs) sobbing at it I was, yeah it really got me so it just hit oh, different what right a different yeah what a different lens to view it through yeah. I didn't even think about that well like you know exactly what they're feeling as they're mm-hmm. like sitting there waiting and uh and like I don't know you just it's like it's like the unleashing the gates of like just water behind that because <laughs> it's like it's like the dam just breaks. yeah it's like <laughs> oh my gosh like they just let it loose and I can like enjoy that that pressure can be released in such a cool way so I think um like yeah like I was saying the yeah go ahead no I was just gonna and I mean you can interrupt me if you want but I think you have a really cool story on top of already Mm -hmm. that you were like self-taught which was amazing (laughs) but I was gonna say we all know but maybe people who aren't um familiar with climbing don't know you have a story that sets you apart even more than the rest. Um, and yeah, we'd love to, to hear that, have our listeners hear it, but we also, um, that story for, for us and for the people who follow you, that story is really encouraging and powerful, but we also want to know, like, when you tell it, how is that for you? How, how is it encouraging for you as you share your story? I almost said your backstory. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess so uh, to fill in uh, the mystery there. Um, yeah. I was 12 years old. So it was about a year after I found out or started loving rock climbing and was doing it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I found out I had severe scoliosis. So I was having a bunch of back pain and um, didn't know what was causing it. And I went to trusty Google and, you know, Googled what could be causing oh, back pain in a... In a, a That's amazing. And it was top answer was scoliosis. So I said, oh, maybe I have scoliosis. And so I went to this guy at the gym who I knew. I'd call him a friend, but like you know, I was twelve and he was probably thirty. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So somebody I knew at the gym who was a PT, and I was like, hey, can you check me for scoliosis? And he had me touch my toes, which is the the test for scoliosis. Uh-huh. And he immediately was kind of like, yeah, um, you should you should see a doctor. <laughs> so I was like, oh, wow. okay, that's, that doesn't sound good. Mm. Um, he was like, you definitely have scoliosis. So I went, told my parents, went to the doctor, got an x-ray. And I remember having Googled, you know, if it was under 25 degrees, they don't do anything. If it's between 25 and 45 degrees, uh, that you maybe get a brace. And if it's over 45 degrees, surgery is probably the option. Uh, and I remember being like, oh, there's no way it's over 45 degrees. Like no chance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then the doctor calls and said it was 52 degrees. And I remember just sobbing. Um, and yeah, so that immediately basically had to start going to surgeons and figuring out what the next option was. Um, and I was in a growth spurt, so it actually kept getting worse every time I got an x-rayed. So that year was my year of x-rays. I probably had over 50 x-rays that year. Um, wow. Just because they would take three of every direction of your back. I had an MRI. I also had broken growth plates at the time, so I would gotten both my hands x-rayed a bunch. <laughs> so it was my year of x-rays. Um, but yeah, so then by the time I actually got surgery, I, it was 72 degrees. Um and it was all my and I had an S curve, so it was balanced. So I actually didn't yeah. look that crooked, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, 
And the surgeon I found was actually really supportive of climbing because there was a surgeon before that who basically told me I'd have to take nine months off, uh, didn't understand that I loved climbing and that it was really important to me, told me that I would have a family one day and that sports wouldn't be that important. Uh, just didn't understand why I was crying at all, basically. And yeah, so that did not sit well with me even at 12. (laughs) And luckily I had Yeah, and luckily I had parents who listened to that. And so we found a different surgeon and he told me to send him a picture when I was back on top of the podium. So. Oh, wow. Oh, so I love <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so I got 10 vertebrae fused. So T2 through T12, which is kind of right above your sternum, um, all the way down to about past your belly button, um, wow. is fused into one bone. And so instead of having, you know, 10 joints there, I have uh, one bone essentially. So then I can't twist or bend very well at all, but I'm really lucky that it didn't go into my C vertebrae or my L vertebrae because that's where most of your bending does or happens. Yeah. It's actually unfortunate that climbing is such a bendy sport because otherwise I feel like I wouldn't notice it except for golf is absolutely impossible. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. It's so twisty in your back. It's hilarious oh, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's super. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah. I feel like if I uh, was doing something like, I don't know, running i would never notice it um yeah but or swimming maybe well swimming some strokes you'd notice it for sure but um, so are you hinting that you're going to become an endurance runner is that what I'm <laughs> i don't think that's in my future <laughs> my, it's in my genes my mom really likes running she did an iron man even but oh uh, yeah i mean it's in the blood it's in the blood. i think i'm more of a fast twitch person <laughs> <laughs> it would make sense Wow. You know what, that um, overcoming obstacles and believing in yourself and having to like at 12, this started at 12 years old. Yeah. So young. Yeah. It's, it's, it just goes to show that like, never give up, (laughs) never, never allow that doubt. And even having to switch the doctor. Uh, We talked to an athlete a few weeks ago that like this doctor, like re-injured his, his injury and like the discouragement that came from that um you know like knowing how to navigate that uh working working to become the best uh even if it means turning down certain situations like whatever it takes to follow that dream and that passion is uh it's super encouraging to hear so um i think one of the things that stevie was asking that i thought you know along this story is like it's good i saw your post a few weeks ago about it just Mm -hmm. revisiting it but I think in the same vein of like when an athlete walks out of a tunnel and there's that saying on the wall of like, today's your best day, or don't forget where you came from, or, um, you know, like in, we have it in parts of our house. I have my trophy in a corner where it's like, it reminds me, um, what is this surgery, um, the procedure and that whole thing? What is that? What does that do for you um, as far as it relates to your outlook on training and and stuff like that? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, Mm -hmm. When I when it first happened, so back when I was 12, I think I was in a stage where I had maybe started taking a sport too seriously when I was too young. And so I was Mm -hmm. kind of facing that burnout just a little bit already. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so then when climbing was taken away from me with the surgery, um, Mm -hmm. it definitely totally reignited that fire and realized um, made me realize how much climbing meant to me. And so ever since then, I've never wanted to take a week off, you know, mm-hmm. and I've been lucky enough that I haven't had any injuries serious enough to make me take a week off or anything. Yeah. Um, I've had, you know, tweaks here and there and, you know, knee things, mm-hmm. whatever, but like, you can always train through those with climbing because you got your hands and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 
I think, you know, first of all, it definitely reignited that, that flame and has, I've never had a lack of motivation, I think since then, um, huh. which is the, my superpower from it is what I would say. Um, That's and then cool. as far as actual training goes, um, I definitely have a focus more on strength because I can't have that flexibility and, and bendiness that I think a lot of girls, especially in climbing really rely on. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I climb really differently because, uh, because of that. If you see a side-by-side -side of me doing a climb versus uh, one of my competitors, I think a lot of times it's super different. And uh, I think yeah. that's a combo of both just my style and also what I'm forced to do because of my back. Um, but I think actually in the last few years, the, the style of competition climbing has really changed. Uh, and I've actually been having to confront my back a lot more, uh, but just because the type of climbing has gotten a lot weirder instead of straightforward. Uh, and as, as climbs get weirder, they get bendier and twistier and you have to be in like a very specific position to stay on the wall. Uh, and so I've actually, like, if you had asked me six years ago, um, how much I noticed my back while climbing, I'd say, oh, no, not at all. I think I could even find an interview where I say that. It's like, oh, it barely affects me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, maybe sometimes if I have to do like a press move above my head, um, yeah. which was a fad move for a while. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, it. It's like three boulders per round occasionally. I, uh, I'll, I'll notice my back on it, on the wall. Oh, wow. Whoa. Um, so that's definitely been a really big mental struggle, especially in the lead up to the Olympics and with the World Cups leading up and that style change, especially. Mm -hmm. um so i'm really hoping that the style changes again because it tends to to you know go in flows um yeah yeah because it's definitely less fun to climb when it, it hurts your back <laughs> yeah. right um, yeah. and i think one of my other superpowers is usually having fun during training um, yeah any sort of training i'm usually enjoying it so uh that but that is the one kryptonite of that i think is is the moves that hurt my back or feel really impossible because my back just because i I can't think of a way to get around it, I guess. So I really enjoy if, if something's too hard and I can't do it. It's like maybe the hold's too small or something. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, well, I'll fingerboard. I'll get my finger stronger. I'll be able to hold that hold in a few months. But the climbs that are really hard for my back, it's like, okay, uh, I don't know what to do to get back. Right. So I think that's yeah. why it's so mentally challenging. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. Because like you said, it's like, if it's a cramp that's like super small, you can just train your fingers to be stronger. But if it's a movement, you, you can't like, oh, just go take the, the like screws and rod and <laughs> infusion or whatever it is out of my back. So I could do it's like there's not like that often. That's so has there been anything that you've noticed or are you still maybe trying to figure it out that has helped you in those times where you're like, OK, this is kind of out of my control. So that, I mean, I could see that being super discouraging when it feels out of your control. Has there been maybe like a, something that you found a key thing that you found that's helped you when you start to go down that path, like mentally of like, crap, I like physically can't do that. So now this is, I'm going to use this trick or this tool mm -hmm. or this tip to like help myself. Yeah. I, it's definitely something I'm still working on, but, um, <laughs> yeah. I worked with a sports psych for all of one a lot of 2019 2020 uh, and in 2021 um really cool. and that like I mean that was something that was we talked about a bunch because <laughs> yeah. it was definitely the one thing in my training that was affecting my um like mental state more than anything else but yeah. everything else was going great you know I, like I said I I think my one of my superpowers is and why I'm a pro athlete is because I genuinely enjoy the grind I guess um yeah that's right and uh I think the best advice I got for it was 
almost to just not let it get to you, which is not great. One of them was to expect turbulence. So, um, Oh, that's good. Like in a round, if you go in and be like, okay, I hope there's no moves that are bad for my back. Um, if a move comes up, that is bad for my back. It's, it's devastating, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas if I go into a round expecting, okay, there's, there's probably going to be some boulders that are bad for my back, but let's, let's go for it. Um, you're expecting the turbulence. And so then ideally, you know, maybe there isn't any, uh, but if there is, you're ready for it. Like mentally, I guess oh, um, that so was good, good advice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that one I, I really, I thought was helpful. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. the other ones just staying present in the moment. So, you know, as soon as, if there is a climb that's bad for my back and it's, you know, really mm -hmm. hard and maybe I do it, maybe I don't, um, being present in that moment and, you know, just trying to do the climb, not worrying about, not thinking about the fact that this is hard for me and not for other people for this reason. Mm -hmm. um, just think about, okay, I have to do this climb. That was a big one. Um, and then, you know, as soon as you're past it, whether you do it or don't, moving on, you're on the next boulder, compartmentalize mm -hmm. it. Think about it afterwards if you need to, you know? Yeah. Because in climbing, especially you do one climb and then have to move right on to the next climb. And yep. so if you're still thinking about this one that was hard for you, you're not going to be focused enough on this one. So staying present in that moment Mm -hmm. really important and then um wow last advice there was another one i was thinking of but maybe mm -hmm. it'll come back to me yeah. yeah well i mean you you nailed it on the head too we talked with a mental performance um coach and uh he's talked about the what elite athletes do is they focus on the task at hand it's not like oh i gotta get to that like for you it's like that top hold i just gotta get there it's like no what's right in front of me yeah. is the task at hand it's being present in that moment that yeah. separates i think the elite and the person that pushes so far into their performance that mm -hmm. they can focus on the task at hand and really just be able to draw from that you know exactly. well you know kara you hearing your story and um your just what you've done historically you are a gift to you know the athletic world the the global athletic world can hear your story can hear what you've gone through what you've pushed through and see the gift you bring to sport i think more people need to hear and understand that it wasn't just a physical journey it wasn't just a mental journey it was it was all of it and you've you've definitely paved a way for a lot of athletes so it's really encouraging and thank you for for being so honest about that you know yeah yeah thanks so, so yeah. So inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, and I, I just remember the Stevie, you asked a question about like how it feels to, I guess, share the story all the time and stuff. Um, I think, sorry, my cat is destroying it. <laughs> no, we like that. <laughs> um, I, that. I just remembered that that was the second part of your question um, earlier. And I think I really enjoyed getting to share my story because I think for a long time I thought um, I didn't want to share it or make too big of a deal out of it because mm -hmm. you know, I didn't want to draw too much attention to it or something. Um, but seeing how many responses I've got of people with back injuries or people with scoliosis or people who've had bad experiences with doctors, uh, mm -hmm. especially as women not being like being told that sport wasn't important, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've just seen the difference that it's made for people. And I think it's super cool. Honestly, <laughs> I've been really lucky that I've gotten to share that story. And oh. even though, like I said, in my, my post that you mentioned, uh, like I wish I wouldn't have to deal with it sometimes, like I wouldn't change anything about it. So, yeah. Mm, yeah, it's really cool. It's really powerful, too, because I think it's easy for especially in a day and age where social media is so like 
big and just all present right now, it's easy for people to only see like highlight reels and to see people at the top that it's important for people to hear the process and hear the journey and that it's not always easy for someone. So especially younger people, or even like for me, I just started climbing. I'm, I'm 30, I'll be 32 in May. So I started climbing when I turned 30. Um, my husband heard that, heard me talk about how I was interested in it. Um, we went with a friend to a gym once he had a free pass guest pass and we went and I was like, Oh, this is fun. Anyways, he got a bunch of our friends together and got me a pass and some shoes. And so I've been, and it's just been something I've really loved doing. And that's how I started watching all the team, um, competitions and international competitions, stuff like that. And that's when I started following your story. But I, even for things like me, like if I feel I, I have not measured my wingspan, but I feel like I have a a negative. (laughs) I'm pretty quite positive. I have a negative wingspan. This dude over here has like a plus 18 wingspan. so, So I'll do it. And he's just really strong. So there'll be climbs and he'll be able to do it no problem. Cause he could practically touch the top of the wall from the floor. Like he's just so long. And for me, I'm like, ah, and, but it's, I know that's so silly. Like I can turn my back just fine. I don't have that issue, but I think, well, Kyra Condi's shorter than I am and she's got a spinal fusion and she climbs like a beast. Like, so if she could figure it out, I eventually granted she's been doing it since she was 11 and I've been doing it for two years, but I, I, you know what I mean? That it's encouraging for things, even someone like me, but I think more so you look at maybe the young climbers in sport and they get to look at stories like yours and be like, well, she was able to make it happen. She's able to be at an an Olympian, like historical Olympian. You were one of the first, there's four spots in the U S to make it to the very first Olympics. And you got one of them. That's insane. I get like, so excited when I think about that, like what a historical moment. And so people get to look at you, especially young athletes in whatever their sport and think like, whatever hurdle I may have, I can do it because I saw Kyra Condi do it and she's been open about it. So mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. And yeah. thank you. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's something that athletes are definitely talking more about. Like I think even, you know, Simone Biles in the last Olympics really opened up about the mental struggle and how it's okay to, um, to say no sometimes and yeah. same with like mm-hmm. Naomi Osaka. And, you know, I think that was something that athletes are trying to pave the way in doing right now is, you know, putting mental health first and things like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, this has been super inspiring. I have a few questions to ask you. Um, our series is called pre-gaming it, um, how to mentally prepare before the big competitions. And so I, uh, I've been thinking about it a bunch. I'm like, this is how I prepare for like an hour, hour and a half long endurance bike ride, but you know, it's so different in every sport. So I'm excited to hear from you. Uh, take us through, I have three phases that we're going to stop by nutrition, uh, physical therapy and mentally like so nutrition physical mental take us through let's start with uh nutrition Woo-hoo, food because everyone likes food <laughs> but, we're just talking about coffee yeah, <laughs> 20 24 to 48 hours um obviously like there's different contexts to this if you're in full training mode like let's say you've got um world, you know, cups. world cups or Olympics training, you know, nutritionally, what gets you in the mental right space? Like as far as nutrition goes. 
I think like immediately before World Cups, like right before a competition, um, I tend to be pretty nervous. So it's actually hard for me to eat. Um, yep. So I usually go for something that is easy to eat that mm-hmm. I find delicious because usually food will just taste bad if I'm that nervous. Yeah. Uh, so my go-to pre like night before is definitely pasta. Uh, nice. Ideally made at my house, not even eating at a restaurant, um, which mm-hmm. isn't always possible while traveling. But um, yeah. that's like definitely my favorite go-to. Yep. Um, like pasta with red sauce easy yes. simple. um and then in the morning pre-competition i usually like something slightly more hearty because in climbing you usually have to sit and wait for a while um that's right so i, I try to do chocolate chip pancakes or granola Ooh, and yeah. yogurt something like that um but again it has to be something that's really easy to eat that's why i like the chocolate chip pancakes yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's just so i get so nervous uh and then during a competition i usually have some sort of bar in my bag because usually i get hungry because i was nervous and didn't eat enough um so, yeah. you know, i like nutrigrain bars again just because they're so easy to eat um yep. and they're quick you know quick carbs super um fast to digest and don't make you feel heavy uh, yep. i also really like cliff bars or um and then during training though same kind of same kind of deal typically similar eating plan um but yeah. then i usually eat like a builder bar or a pro bar like the 20 grams of protein bars those ones yeah um, those training if i if i get hungry at the gym yep. um but I, I'm vegetarian, so I really focus on getting enough protein and um, like my, I have a pretty carb-heavy diet for sure. Yeah. Um, yep. So I eat a lot of pasta with vegetables or um, rice and vegetables and tofu, stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, I think... Uh, <laughs> that sounds good. Well, I'm, like, I'm hungry now. I, I mean, actually didn't eat breakfast yet. If I've chocolate <laughs> pancakes don't put you in a good attitude, I don't know what's going on right now. Yeah. <laughs> but you know uh it's good that it's good to hear you share that being in a professional athlete is that I think there's a lot of pressure like people are like I can't eat this I can't eat that in order to do this big performance and it's like this is before the biggest performance Mm -hmm. okay this is Karakani talking about you know Olympics or you know a regional and so uh yeah it's a good reminder that when we're eating food in order to be mentally ready uh, uh nutritionally it's just eat, eat what's good, eat what's good for you. <laughs> like not literally good for you, maybe, or They're good for your soul. Good for your soul. <laughs> yeah. Chocolate chips. Chocolate chip yeah. pancakes. And I I'll eat uh yeah, peanut butter, whatever, whatever you can put peanut butter on, whether it's banana toast or something like that. That's my that's my jam. So yeah, yeah I see I see climbers falling into the trap all the time of trying to get lighter to um to get stronger at climbing. And because yeah. you know, it is it is a simple and easy uh win i guess but it's not gonna it doesn't last and so yeah. i definitely prefer the method of you know eating more training more um good to get stronger so yeah that's good I yeah like my friend my friend in college was like you got to eat big to get big <laughs> <laughs> i'm like uh all right i like it okay so you took us through nutrition now physically physical therapy wise 48 to 24 hours one of the things that Stevie and I love that you <laughs> I've do, only ever seen you do it. I, I don't know. know if other climbers do it, but I've only seen you do it. Okay. The ice fingers. Oh, <laughs> Tell us about penguin, that. Penguin, penguin fingers. Yeah. They're one of my sponsors. So, um, but I started using them before I started working with them. Uh, but yes. they're amazing. They're just ice packs for your fingers. Yes. Um, so after especially a heavy session, like even if nothing's injured, um, my fingers will be achy in the morning, especially yeah. after sitting all night. Um, yeah. And just wearing them, and I just like kind of switch it between each finger. They're pretty cold, so you don't want to like leave them on for forever. Ooh, yeah. um, 
but yeah, like 20 seconds on each finger, uh, rotating through. I have a few of them too. So they get, when they get warm, I grab the next one and just do it again. Oh, cool. Um, nice. I think it makes a huge difference. It just makes my fingers feel way more ready, yeah. uh, especially on rest days. Um, that's a big thing that I use for recovery for sure. Um, definitely making sure I get enough protein on recovery days as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I have one of the, the massage gun things yes. that works really well for um, forearms, especially because those get so tight and, you know, tendonitis is huge in climbers. Yeah. Um, I also have one of the scrapey tools. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, you know, to get like the back uh, lat yeah. spot kind of, um, oh. you know, make my boyfriend do that. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> Sounds good right now. And then I, I like massages a lot. Um, I think because I especially I can't stretch very well um, in my back. Yeah. Um, I really like to get massages, not super, super regularly, but probably like every three weeks, two and a half weeks. I'd love to do it more, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. So by, yeah, Go for oh, it. by doing those few things, um, physically, it kind of can help you mentally feel recovered and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're putting your best foot forward based on some of the things you just named. So exactly. And then having a good warm up is I think my other, um, big one uh so I try to do the same warm-up usually whether it's a climbing day a comp day um training day whatever uh, yeah. I always start with hacky sack because it gets things loose and coordinated no, that's, that's yeah. amazing I love a very, very slow progression <laughs> yeah wait so do you use here's an important question here do you use a bean bag or a sand hacky sack I think mine's sand yeah because it's like harder <laughs> What's it's, that? It's harder, I think, the sandbags. So mine's sand, I think. Yeah, yeah. Usually, like, there's like the like heavier or not heavier. It's like more, more like dense. more dense, and then yeah. there's like the yeah. Yeah, mine's cool. a sand little one. Um, yeah, cool. But that's but that one, I, I think it, it's really helped. I feel really I've, I've gotten way more coordinated. Um, that's so fun. <laughs> yeah, and it's like a good warm up. Like I'll go to the gym and be like, oh, my climbing sounds so hard right now. And yeah. then I'll start playing hacky sack. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to climb now. Um, oh, I, so I love that. We're going to have to get a hacky sack. I have one. Oh, <laughs> you do. Yeah. Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's a great warm up. Oh, um, and then I always touch a bunch of holds. Um, so before I put chalk on, before putting climbing shoes on or anything, I just go around and touch holds. Um, yeah. and maybe, maybe grab them a little bit and like move your weight around between them. Maybe pull up on them, do like stuff like that. And I got that directly from the isolation area in a World Cup zone. So oh, wow. I was oh. literally just watching other people being like, oh, why are they touching all these holds? And I was like, oh, I'm going to try it. And it's like, so do you like campus or are your feet on the ground? You're just feet on the ground. Sometimes I like step on the wall and, you know, I pull in and then I like, put feet on the ground. Sometimes you like weight them a lot more yeah. um, or like one handed, you know, just kind of mess around and you, not everybody does it. Like <laughs> I started doing it because I watched people do it and then people watch me do it. And now like, I see everybody doing it. Um, and it's, yeah especially in the training center because it's just like such an easy way to like wake up your fingers uh and then you know get to the v0s we want to choose moving up to yeah climbs so. so that and that workout can usually be anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes would you say probably um the warm-up process for me is usually almost exactly 30 i would say until the time that i'm ready to start climbing hard probably yeah, 40 yeah. minutes. really yeah. cool that's awesome so nutritionally physically now mentally you know 48 to 24 hours or just on the day-to-day yes i love cats um <laughs> her cat came in for anyone who doesn't see that yeah. cat came into the frame <laughs> yep. yes um mentally you know what are some some practices mentally that uh, help you kind of get in that state of peace of you know the fire inside of you <sighs> like i for me i gotta have that like ooh, ooh let's go like 
So for you, what, what are the things that you like to do? Um, something I actually talked to my sports psych about was definitely, um, had to do with this, which was kind of level of neurological engagement. Um, so in different disciplines of climbing too, you kind of need different ones. So for speed climbing, you do want that like grr feeling, you know, that you were just talking <laughs> yeah. about, um, because it's just so fast. You need to just be on, on it for six seconds, you know, giving it your all. Whereas yeah. lead climbing, you have to stay pretty focused for four to five minutes. Um, yeah. maybe breaths. you don't want to be super highly activated uh, and I'm a pretty highly activated person in general. You can tell just by how fast I talk. And oh yeah, you got, you got energy. I can feel it. <laughs> so for me, I actually really have to bring myself down sometimes because I'm like too jittery, too, like, too excited. Um, yeah. So something we talked about was listening to music, but a lot of people listen to hype music. I listen to opera. I have to like yes. calm myself down and like, chill out a little bit. So I have my, my comp playlist is kind of epic opera music because I don't want, you know, I don't want lullabies, but I want, <laughs> yeah. like, that feels cool and epic. Kind of think like Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack, you know? Yeah. Um, that, so when you're it. sitting in the chair waiting and like at semis <laughs> and you have your headphones on, you're listening to, to uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll never watch these again. I'll never watch these the same again. <laughs> yeah. So cool. Yeah. I need to just calm down usually. So uh, that's one of my tricks. Um, if I'm nervous and I can't sleep, I tend to try to listen to audiobooks. Um, something that'll help put me to sleep like that. Um, yeah. Actually though, I think I try to stay pretty, like kind of like pretty normal. Um, mm -hmm. Then like yeah. at a competition, I think, usually it's, at least for climbing competitions, it's a bunch of people who you haven't seen in a really long time. Mm -hmm. So it's really easy to just use a bunch of energy, just talking to people, saying hi, chatting, whatever, which doesn't feel like it's using energy. Um, but especially in lead climbing qualifications, you do one climb and then you have to wait an hour and a half and then do the second climb. Yeah. Uh, and so something that helped me was not, at least in that hour and a half in between socializing a bunch because it yeah. was so easy. And then I'd just feel really tired and not mentally focused for the second one. So just making sure I stepped away and, you know, warm up, stay warm, chill, lay on the ground, maybe listen to music, yeah. take some time for myself in that hour in between climbs. was so also smart. a really important one. So Yeah, that's really smart. And she, sense. Stevie will remind me all the time whenever it comes to a big race that I have. She's like, you're such a social person. You'll go and talk to everyone until there's like two minutes before the timer goes off. And you're like, dude, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot. If you can't figure yeah. out how to like create a space for you to like, like you taking 10 deep breaths and like focusing your heart, getting your heart rate down. Mm -hmm, like yeah. you said, the adrenaline from everyone, you're like, and I'm, I feel like we're probably pretty similar. Like we don't need coffee necessarily in the morning, but we drink it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you give me like, I, we speak uh different stuff. And if I have an Americano before I speak, uh, it's not good. Like my, <laughs> my heart rate is like probably at 130 resting, which is yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm similar. I've discovered that especially before lead climbing, like I said, where I need to have that lower level of a neurological engagement. If I'm climbing in the morning, I cannot drink coffee before. Like I'm yeah. just I get I shake myself off the wall basically. <laughs> Dang. Um, but and, and I don't, lead climbing's hard because you don't get it's not like bouldering. You get four minutes to get as high as you want. It's one and done. Yeah. So for at team trials, which was two weeks ago now. Um, before bouldering, I drink coffee. It was in the morning also. Uh, but before lead, I didn't drink any coffee and then drink yeah. it afterwards because I miss it wow. when I drink it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, wait, I need it. Comfort. Yeah. Well, man, this is great. So nutritionally, physically, mentally, this is how you pregame it. According to U.S. Olympic climber, <laughs> Kyra Condi. <laughs>
thank you so great. much. Um, what you had to share uh, was so meaningful. And um, I think that uh, we would love to give our listeners and people that get to hear this an opportunity to keep up with you and follow any organizations you're involved with or anything like that. So what's the best way for people to keep up with you via social? Uh, definitely my most active social media is um, Instagram, which is just at Kyra underscore Condi, mm -hmm. um, K-Y-R-A. So um, yeah. that's definitely my most active Instagram, I think. Um, there you go. <laughs> social media. I have all the other fake ones. Twitter yeah. and all that stuff, but I rarely use them, honestly. <laughs> yeah. uh, I have a TikTok too, which I share with my roommate, Allison. Um, Oh, so nice. we, but yeah. we're not, we're sporadic on that one, but it's really? climbing roommates is that one. So, oh, that's so good. That's fun. Wow. That's really awesome. Cool. We'll go ahead and put that in the show notes too. People can find you on, on Insta. Really great. What's next for you? Um, I think, so I have a little bit of a break now until my next competition. It'll be end of June in uh, Europe. So the first couple of world cups are in Europe. Uh, for lead so I'm going to focus kind of more on lead climbing this season yeah. which I've never actually really dove into and focused on entirely so I feel like you've gotten really strong in lead though I've been watching the competitions and you seem like one of the strongest lead climbers so I'm really excited to see you like narrow in and focus on that yeah I'm excited about it like even before this team trials I was I was lead climbing a bunch but I wasn't doing like laps on laps you know like usually before a lead competition I would just find try and do a bunch of doubles or something on lead climbs so just yeah. pure endurance what I, I wasn't really focusing on that. I was really focusing on being comfortable climbing on a rope. So I think I have a lot to gain in the endurance front because I, I definitely don't have that at the level I want. Um, yeah. But power endurance is really good. So if it's hard, I usually do well. Um, but I'm really excited to um, really test that because I, I really think I haven't before. So I needed something different to focus on this year after the Olympic year and all that stress. Yeah. Um, and so even though I'm bummed I didn't make the, the bouldering team, uh, I think it's going to be a blessing in disguise. So. Yeah, I, I like think that. so too. It'll be good to, to refresh because yeah, Olympics, I would assume takes a lot out of you in all the yeah. ways. Yeah. Definitely. Well, Kyra, this has been a wonderful time with you. Uh, yeah, we will uh, share this soon and uh, hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me, you guys. Thanks, Kyra.